I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast, the final one of the 21-22 Premier League campaign. Aston Villa have lost 3-2 at the hands of Manchester City at the Eddie had uh, 2-0 up and gave it away within five minutes. Um, I guess we're the new QPR in terms of uh, Manchester City's glorious comeback, title-winning memories. Anyways, we'll, we'll be the, the butt of jokes for those highlight reels for a little bit. But anyways, let's uh, let's move on from there because we do have a full panel with me. Mr. Danny Raza, Simon O'Regan, and Sebastian Bacon is here as well so danny let's start with you how's it going for you sir i'm good man i'm good it's a decent season right i think in some respects but um a disappointing one in other respects so uh i think i think at the end of the day uh, my my blood pressure is is fairly low um well is that a good thing or a bad thing i don't know my blood pressure is normal (laughs) my blood pressure is normal and and that's um and that's all that matters uh, I am slightly worried that we won't be able to see Villa to play for a few more months, but um, hey, oh, there you go. Also, also losing 3-2, that was very, very cruel within five minutes, but it is what it is. 14th place, up the Villa, yeah, of course. Well, I, technically we're worse off than last season, so if you want to be a little bit of a pessimist, I guess you could say down the Villa if you want to. But anyways, I, I like yeah, but there's, in, it's in, there's inflation, Cole. Inflation, cost of living has gone up. Um, <laughs> Everything's gone up. <laughs> so just, you know. Yeah, it's got to consolidate. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You, you, you know when life's getting expensive, when bananas go up and you think these used to be 50 cents. But anyways, that's that's an old man kind of complaint that I won't really uh, kind of go on with because no one really cares about the cost of bananas in Canada. So let's go to Simon O'Regan next. Simon, how's it going for you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, I mean, the thoughts of the game yesterday, I never thought that we were going to win it. Even at 2-0 up, I still didn't think we are going to win this game. It's just, it was disappointing, obviously, to capitulate so quickly like that. But honestly, I I personally think Man City would have done that to every other team in the league other than Liverpool in that game yesterday after getting that first goal back. I just think if that game was in the middle of the season, we probably would have held out. But for what was at stake... Just as soon as they got that one back, they were always going to go and win that game. So I'm, I'm not overly frustrated by it because I didn't expect us to get anything anyway. But I, I think there were some positive signs that you can take from it moving into next season. So, yeah, I'm all good. Well, I'm glad to hear you're good. And of course, yeah, like, I mean, I agree. I felt like it was one of those kind of written in the stars thing. We could have been up 5-0 and somehow they'd still come back. I mean, that's how it at least felt to me. But anyways, we do have Simon's son here, Seb. Seb, how's it going for you? First of all, um, when you say full house, I'd like to say, Tom, if you're watching, we haven't forgotten about you, I promise. <laughs> Tom's hung over, <laughs> recovering from the North American meetup, so he uh, has an excuse. Um, and yeah, lastly, towards the Villa game, um, 
look, I mean, last game of the season, if it was anyone else, we wouldn't really care about the result. But the fact that we we could have had a say in the title race, it would have been really nice to have been the team to stop Manchester City from winning their fourth league in five years. But it wasn't to be. And at the end of the day, there were many positives we can take from it as well, as hard as it is. And, you know, I think they've done it justice that the news of Kamara today has certainly put the smiles back on our faces. Yeah, I mean, we've all kind of touched on it there. I mean, yes, it is a 3-2 loss and we can kind of go through the goal scores here really quickly, of course, just to give a little bit of a better picture. If you were sitting under a rock or like me in a new house with no internet, trying to hide it and watch it on your phone without getting in trouble. Of course, Matty Cash scored in the 37th minute via header from Aluka Digne. Um, cross you had Philippe Coutinho score in the 69th minute with an Ollie Watkins assist nice nice to see uh, Coutinho getting on the score sheet away from home so kind of um, it doesn't demolish any rumors about him only doing it at Villa Park but it does help it at least on the final day um, I, I guess Ilkay Gundogan is the new um, Sergio Aguero for City in some kind of uh, circumstances, scoring in the 76 men and, of course, getting the winner in the 81st with Rodri scoring in the 78th. Um, they got assists from Raheem Sterling, Zinchenko, and Kevin De Bruyne as well. So, I mean, you do list off those names and you kind of understand why this probably happened to us. And I'm kind of shocked that we didn't concede a little bit earlier. But, um Nonetheless, it's annoying. It is what it is. We're 14 points minus two goal differential after 38 games, 45 points. I mean, Seb, I'll throw it this way. I mean, we can kind of go on and on about the game. I, I think as Villa fans now, and I feel like probably most of us has felt this way for a while, the season's basically been over for us as soon as we really secured safety. It was about maybe getting a little bit of momentum and kind of seeing what we can do and of course we'll get on to transfer kind of comings and goings here very very shortly as well didn't think we'd get that this close into the season because there's already been a signing or in the new season I guess um, even before the old one finished but it's I, I don't know when you when you sit back and you look at this season as a whole and then kind of look at I mean, kind of the, the optimism going into next season already. Where does this sit with you? I mean, it's been one of ups and downs and to kind of go into this one with kind of a, you know, what whatever happens, happens mentality. And then literally a few hours later, it feels like we have a, a new signing. Where does this all sit with you? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because if you look at the season just as a broad picture and think, right, we finished 14th, which is lower than last season, having spent a hundred odd million, then you'd be disappointed. But I think I said it way back at the start of this season that we've lost our best player here and no amount of money is going to help any player adapt straight away. And the fact that we've also had a change in manager in that as well, you know, circumstances throughout the season have meant that this is another one of those consolidating seasons which it seems as though we've had so many of those in recent years that look mid-table mediocrity at least we could have easily been down there we could have easily been in the top half of the table as well you know it's not like we were a million miles away we beat Burnley we beat Palace and things are suddenly looking a lot brighter for us but yeah it's a difficult one to take because 
obviously there's been so much that's happened this season and and Gerard said about wanting to end the season strongly it's almost kind of difficult to have a look back at this season as a whole without getting excited towards next season already because of today's news I'm really trying to like calm myself down towards it because you know it's it's way too early to think of next season already you know last season ended just over 24 hours ago so if I had to sum it up as a whole I'd say underwhelming but it could have been a lot worse absolutely I mean it's I don't know this last month for me at least supporting Villa has been very very weird and I think I don't know, like Simon, when you kind of th- back, think back and really look at everything, especially over the last month or so, and everyone almost kind of binning this season off and looking towards next season, do you think there's, I, sh- I shouldn't say, is there any danger, but can there be a little bit of hesitancy doing that, of course, in the sense that be careful what you wish for, or, you know what, is it just one of those things where it's a typical kind of fan feeling where, you know what, if success isn't coming now, we have to at least look forward to it in the near future, hopefully. I think from a fan point of view, I, I don't think there's a real problem with sort of, you know, the right, not right the last month off, but not getting overly stressed out or worried either way about it. What is more concerning, or well, for me anyway, is that some of the players maybe have sort of, ripped the season off as well before it ended whereas I think you know I I think we've all kind of said at various stages over the last month or two it's like an audition for these players do they want to have a career at Villa anymore and or do they you know do they want to feature in Gerard's plans and there's been some performances and some moments where players have played well but then the next game they're just completely off it and I mean, that's the inconsistency you get with a mid-table squad, which is by and large kind of what we are at the moment. And I think I saw something before the game yesterday that the league table since Gerard took over would have us eighth, I think, or eighth or ninth. So from that point of view, you kind of think, yeah, sort of par for the course is the bad start. Maybe that sort of has led us to finishing up 14th. So... Yeah, like I said, I think it's it's just it's more frustrating that some of the players haven't necessarily stepped up, but then there's an argument that oh, well, are those players actually good enough? Or not all of them, but you know, there's some players in there that mid-table is probably their level, which you know, I think I've said before, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with being a mid-table Premier League player. That's you're still a very good footballer, but there just needs to I. I would suspect, and I think we all do as well, that there's probably going to be a fairly big turnaround of of players this summer, which if we want to, you know, try and break into the top seven or eight next season, that that needs to happen. And you sort of, from my point of view, you you specifically think like players like McGinn and Mings, not, not for one minute am I saying to sell them, but what I'm saying is next season, those those type of players should probably be on your bench rather than just starting lineup. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we're at at the moment. Absolutely. And Danny, I mean, I'll try to spin it this way. I mean, kind of looking back at, of course, Sunday's game, just kind of give everyone a, a, a sense of timing. We're recording this on the Monday again, 
apologies for the delay. <laughs> Things haven't worked out lately. Um, so you hear this bright and early, hopefully on the Tuesday. But Danny, going back to Sunday and the loss, is there anything that stands out for you more than anything? Could it be kind of the defensive collapse? Could it be the substitutions? I don't know, being 2-0 up to show some kind of attacking prowess against one of the best teams in the world. What really stands out for you kind of going from this game, maybe even summarize the season and kind of going into the summer if possible? Yeah, it's a mentality thing for me. I think um, when you look at teams that have been successful, sides like, and, you know, I'll even, I'll even hold, I'll even hold teams like Arsenal in there when you think about sort of um, a team who might have sort of equal, equal to, yeah, obviously a bit more, maybe you could say, say equal talent. Um and then you look at sort of sides like West Ham as well, who you might also have equal talent. Maybe you say you've got the Declan Rices in there who are a little bit more elite, more so on the, you know, Coutinho level of player. But the thing is, I think what, what, what Villa has shown me is that there's a mentality issue there. You know, that, I, think that's what, I think that's what suffers, you know, the inconsistency when, when Villa go on a bad run, when Villa, you know, aren't scoring goals, it seems to continue. It seems to keep going on. There's also this thing about, you know, the shakiness in the last 15 minutes. So they never quite look sure. You know, it, it takes two, it almost seems as though it takes two goals for Villa to start feeling a little bit more certain in games. But then against Manchester City, they never looked, they never did look quite certain. Gerard said that they, that they went into a protective bubble. And, you know, part of that was was him bringing on, bringing on Nakamba for Coutinho, which, which you know, signaled that, right, we're going to sit back here, which, which just kind of allowed City to keep going at him. It was very, very similar to the game against Wolves earlier this season where Villa went 2-0 up and just allowed Wolves to keep at them. And, and really what, what, what Villa need to do is sort of maybe replicate the, the performances like they did against Burnley where they, you know, where the game management was a little bit stronger, you know, where there was a little bit more fire in that game. You know, they looked a, they looked a lot, a lot angrier, you know, in some of those, in some of those games. But it's not, it's not every game and certainly not since the season seemed quote unquote finished. And and that's that's what I think needs to change. I think this Villa team needs to needs to learn to hate losing, and 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 really needs to learn to kind of back themselves because there's so much talent there, and and I think that's what's going to make the summer tricky for Gerard, is that for incomings to come, there's going to need to be outgoings as well, and I couldn't tell you which of those players is you know the least talented or. The, the player that needs to go because it's clear that it's a collective issue within the team. Um, and maybe that just needs more leadership. Maybe that's why Gerard is looking at bringing more of the experienced players like Coutinho, um, you know, like Luca Dean that are going to act as calming influences in that side and, and really sort of help it kick on. But I think that's, that's the main thing for me. There's, there's, there's youth, there's experience in that team, but they really do lack a killer instinct. And, and Simon said earlier on that he really thinks that, you know, and you agreed as well, Cole, that, that, you know, City would have done that to most teams in the league. I disagree. You're 2-0 up. You know, you're 2-0 up. They're struggling. They're going to throw everything at it. Okay, fine. Don't just let them do that. Give them some fear. Let them, let them believe that if they throw too many men forward, you're going to catch them on the counter. Don't take off Coutinho. Um, well, so, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna take off, in my mind, if you're gonna take off Coutinho, I think 
personally. I think he just got the substitutions wrong, like to run everyone through it. Um, what? So Coutinho went off in the 72nd minute for Nakamba. Uh, Jacob Ramsey went off for Danny Ings in the 83rd minute. Buendia went off uh, for Ashley in the 88th minute. I mean, which doesn't really make sense to me, but anyways, maybe it's his final run out um, in a Villa shirt because we're still waiting to see what's going on there. But for me, Danny, I, I sit back and look at that and I think bring on probably Ings for Coutinho if you want to keep pressing their back line to kind of give that breaking threat. If you're going to take off, I don't know. If you're going to bring on Ashley Young, you might as well bring him on for Ramsey a little bit earlier if you want a little bit more of that kind of defensive, uh, maybe kind of more, I guess, skill with the ball, especially in the passing. And I don't know, in Nakamba, if you're going to put him on, bring him on to lock him down in the last five minutes. Don't give him too much time to think. I don't know. That's how I see it. Yeah, it's, you know, it was we went 2 nil up. We could have carried on a little bit. Obviously, we were doing something right. But it's just it's it's just the case that this happens so much this this happens so much this season, and and I think that's that's what worries me. It's just there needs to be some some calm in that team. There needs to be some calm. They're erratic, you know. They're erratic, and I think that's why Villarreal ultimately ended up finishing fourteenth. They lost too many games they should have drawn. Is 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 a, is a big thing. Lost way too many games. And then, you know, they'll turn up again in two games' time and, and, and whack somebody and you see what talent's there. McGinn can have amazing games and can have terrible games. Mings, I think, has been fairly consistent towards the end of the season, but there's clearly been issues in that defence. Konza's almost kind of developed that same sort of anxious defending that, that we've seen from Mings before. Um, Luca Dean and Matt Cash have been perfect. I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing to say about them. Jacob Ramsey is an example of a player that's bought into Gerard's strategy, and I think the summer transfer window, the players that go will be the ones that Gerard, who has hinted, um, there are some of these, um, the players that haven't bought into his mentality. And I hope as well, you know, after preseason, we'll maybe see a Stephen Gerrard that's maybe learned from his uh, own strategic sort of learning experiences shall we say over the season and and he has proven to have switched things up when when he's needed to well that's what i wanted to bring up and said i'll throw this one back to you i mean not only for since steven gerrard has come in i mean to improve next season i mean you, you look at the development of the squad we went from a, some championship players kind of some random players from abroad hoping they worked to moving them last season to more of kind of rotation players bringing in more first teamers. And of course, kind of, you'd think we would have, would have progressed a little bit further this season, but I guess arguably regress in terms of where we lie in the table, but in terms of Villa pushing on next season, it's not only the squad, it's Steven Jarrett and his coaching staff that have to also kind of adapt and learn and be a little bit better as well. Don't they? Yeah, definitely. Which I, is why I think it's key that Beal stays on. So many players have commented on his influence and just how beneficial he is to Gerard's system. I, I know there's interest from Charlton. I don't know. I don't know how far that's got. But um, yeah, look, it, there's improvements everywhere to be had within the club. Um, Gerard, the first thing he came in and said when he got appointed was he wants a no excuse zone at Villa because they've got all the facilities and everything that they need to succeed. So they've got no excuses for if they weren't to do it. And I think he's right, but that's also the same for him as well. He's, he's still learning as a manager. And you've got to remember, this is a very, very young group of players, one of the youngest in the league. So, 
you know, there's going to be learning curves within the squad as well. It's just about how quickly we can nip that in the bud and learn from it because the only way they're going to learn from it is through experience. And I feel as though if that experience is this season, if that then allows them to push on and kick on to their full potential next season, then so be it. Because with the rumours of the potential candidates that we're looking to bring in to add that along to the squad we already have, there is going to be no excuses for next season now. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's let's kind of wrap up the Man City Villa portion of this and we'll get on to the more exciting news because let's be honest, it's a game that really meant nothing. We could have been party poopers. Sorry, Liverpool fans, if you're somehow listening to this. We were, we were very close to making your uh, quadruple dreams come true, but ultimately, I guess Coutinho and Gerrard didn't care enough. Just kidding, um, of course. But with that, let's do... Um, I feel bad because, of course, on Twitter post-match, we always do three-word reviews. And because I'm moving house, I didn't get to it. So I'm going to put everyone here on a little bit of a hot seat. And since Simon's been here, sitting here the longest without saying something, Simon, I want your three-word review on Sunday's loss, please. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Could have been better. Fair enough. Danny, you next? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what? Could have been better. Could have. Could have. Oh, could have. Right, yes. okay, I was going to say. Steph, we, we know you're still in grammar school. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, you're up next. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's two words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say not good enough. Fair enough. I Steph, that was boring. About... Not good enough. Yeah, I know. It was. It kind of was in some instances. Seb, how about you? Six-minute mayhem. Okay. I feel as though that, that six minutes summed up our season pretty much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you think I have to do one, or since I have the power to edit this, should I not do <laughs> hmm. Well, let's let's be fair. I'll, I'll come up with one. Let me let me think here. Um, let's. I'm going to do a really big cough out here and see what's on my screen and just pull off three words. Let's go... Cash Coutinho fail. I, th- I think that's that's the best way. Two goal scorers, and we still didn't come out with any points. Um, or you could maybe say defensive issues aplenty. There we go. I, I, I guess there's one as well. But um, yeah, thanks guys for that. And to keep you guys under a little bit more pressure, let's do the match balls or man of the matches as well. Because yeah, why not? So Danny, I'll, I'll throw at you. <laughs> you can tell uh, we're doing this when we didn't plan to do it and we're just scrambling it all together but nonetheless we're still Lord. here who had a good game it was i mean it was a good game for everybody for like 70 minutes yeah so i'm gonna give it to coutinho because he came off when before the game went to went to shit <laughs> fair yeah. enough simon how are you I agree with what danny saying there like for 70 minutes it's hard to really criticize anyone but then you kind of look like, for example, like that first 70 minutes, I, I thought Mings and Chambers did really well, like dealt with everything really well. And then just completely had like five minutes, six minutes where they, their heads just went completely. So um, I'd be, I was, I was sort of half thinking of Katina because I actually thought he, in the first half as well, I thought he used the ball, the limited ball that we did get, I thought he used it quite well. Um, I think I'll go. I'll go Matty Cash. I thought both him and Dean actually had had good games defensively and off the threats when they could. Um, 
But Cash, because he got the goal, I'll, I'll just give it to him over Dinho. But I thought they were both excellent. And like Danny said, actually, I agree that they've both been really, really good for the last few weeks as well. So, yeah, I'll go make Cash. Absolutely. Seb, you're up. The boys really haven't made this easy for me because my first option was Coutinho. My second option was Cash. And in order to not be boring, I'm going to have to come up with another one. Dinia was mentioned. He was on my mind as well as Chambers, actually. Um, Kind of weird. I'm not going to give him man of the match, but I'd like to give a shout out to Robin Olsen. He started really shakily. And for the first 15 minutes, I was sort of thinking, oh, here we go, you know, coming in Man City away as a goalkeeper where you're going to get peppered when they're trying to win the league. That's one of the hardest jobs you've got as a footballer, but he managed to see out that 15 minutes of, of madness. And I think he had a really solid game after that, obviously, apart you know from the three goals. I thought, I thought so. Sorry to interrupt. I thought, I thought he, was, oh, he was really commanding, always looking to catch the ball rather than punch it away in, in, in opportunities. And that's what you see from like a quality, you know, confident goalkeeper. And uh, in all game, you could see his presence. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think Cutler said that as well, how impressed he's been by, by Olsen. But if you had to push me for an answer, then I would share it between Dinya and Chambers. But if I had to pick one, I'll go for Chambers. Fair enough. I'm going to be boring and go Coutinho because was it was it Laporte or was it Stones that he absolutely skinned and I, like that is was on repeat for me for like half an hour yesterday. Dude, he was brilliant. He was, I, I can't remember who it was. Well, whichever like, overpriced center back that they've paid a lot of money for. <laughs> I mean, he made them look like it was I, like 50p instead of 50 million. You know what else sucks is that we could have scored more goals, and you know, interesting that. Nobody mentions Ollie Watkins, who was all over the place. Mm-hmm. But again, like one on ones, man. What's we can't like that can't keep happening. Yeah, uh, no, I see what he you could mean. have had a hat trick yesterday. Yeah, hey, how has he managed 11 goals this season? <laughs> How's he only managed 11 goals this season? He, he realistically, guys, he should probably have at least 15 with the ch- some of the chances he's had. Like, let's be real. I think that's, I think that's being being nice on him as well i can remember two one-on-ones yesterday he had off the top of my head and granted it is manchester city so you know you've got to take that into account but the amount of times this season at home that i can remember that he's he's squandered opportunities and then obviously he's had the ones disallowed newcastle away sticks out where he was offside by a toenail but he, he said it himself that he'd like to push for for 20 next season and in order for that to happen he's got to take advantage of the chances he gets yeah we need to create twice as many well that and he just like for me i mean if you look back at his debut season with villa he's had a few games in there where it's been multi-goal games he needs to get to that level if if he wants 20 goals in a season he needs to get to that level again and i i don't know i I guess it raises the bigger question with our strike force and what happens with Ings and Cameron Archer. And do we see Luis Suarez come in? Cause it feels like that's still being rumored and all that kind of stuff, which we'll hold that, that conversation down the line. Cause I don't want to bring up any, everything, but uh, guys, let's get over to the latest addition for Aston Villa football club, which is Bubakar Kamara. Um, I mean, we've all been kind of hoping and praying. And of course, uh, Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Palma Grove podcast has been scouting him for about 60 years, it feels like. 
um, with how he goes on um, with his little, um, I guess you could say, tantrums about, <laughs> about who he would like Villa to uh, feature in the near future. But of course, like I said, Villa have cons- um, have grabbed, I guess you could say is a better word, um, him away from Atletico Madrid, which to be honest, I thought that was a done deal with him going there. Uh, but he's decided to come to Villa, free agent, 22 years of age, defensive midfielder. Um, I've seen a lot of reports saying he could play in the sixth and eighth, so a little bit of versatility. Um, I mean, Simon, of course, I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say I've watched so many Marseille games to know everything about the guy. He's played Champions League football. He's so, of course, he's had a wealth of experience within that. So that's a bonus as well. Um, I, I know a lot of Villa fans want that brick shit house in midfield and think that'll be the the resolution to all of the defensive issues that we've had throughout the number of seasons that I can remember. Um, if you kind of look at, I guess, kind of his profile, he kind of seems like maybe a little bit more of a solid Dougie Louise in that position. So I guess without further ado, what are your thoughts on the signing? I mean, like yourself, I've got, you know, I've got to hold my hands up. I, I've not seen the lad play. Like, I, I don't watch League on Football. I thought but... you were our French correspondent. What the <laughs> fuck are you here for? <laughs> but I think the, the fact that a number of top European clubs were, you know, supposedly after him. And I think what's even more telling is the reaction of Marseille fans online. They're not happy that he's gone. They're they're really angry. And I think that kind of gives you a sense. But it's for me, it's it's one of those by all accounts, he he's a proper holding midfielder. Now yeah, like you you saying there about you know needing or some people saying oh you need a big big shit house in there. You look at Golo Kante was not a massive you know absolute unit. Indeedy at Leicester is not a huge big unit. You don't ha- you don't need to be like a big hard solid bastard. You just need to be able to tackle, able to press quickly, and be positionally sound. And I think he I think he came through. Uh, and Marseille as a centre-back initially. I think it's only in recent years that he's been moved into that defensive midfield role. So that, that would, you'd like to assume that that means he can defend and is defensively aware. And, you know, like we've said before, that's by signing a holding midfielder, that doesn't all of a sudden mean we're going to jump, you know, seven, eight, nine places up in the league and going to be challenging for Champions League. But what it does do, for the first time since we've been back into the Premier League, hopefully we've actually got a proper um, recognised holding midfielder, which I think, whilst won't solve all the problems, but it doesn't half help. It's have that proper protection in front of a back four, I think, gives them more confidence. It allows, it should allow... Dinya and Cash to be able to get forward more, which is clearly how Gerard sees us playing. And I think actually, I, I think you would see not necessarily that he would maybe be starting every week, but I think you'd see a better John McGinn if he's not having, if he's able to go forward a bit. Look at McGinn for Scotland; he plays in the further forward role and he scores quite a few goals. So I, I think you get the best out of him. By not by having someone sort of solid behind him, I think it helped Jacob Ramsey flourish a bit more. Gives you the possibility of playing Coutinho and Brendia together in, against certain opposition. So you know, obviously, we're saying all this, you know, having not seen the lad play for Villa or play much at all. But 
So you're sort of going on potential and the reaction of other people. But, you know, the fact that I think Atletico Madrid clearly were trying to sign him and he's come to Villa, I think it's a great sign for us. And it's another sort of uh, backup to the argument that getting Philip Coutinho on a permanent deal so early, I think is going to be key to some of our business this season because, you know, if, if that deal's not done, maybe Kamara doesn't come along, but if you see his Coutinho, you know, he's, he's signing permanently for Aston Villa, maybe he's thinking, you know, I, I, I quite fancy playing with him for a few years, so yeah, I can't complain. I mean, this just kind of makes me feel giddy, to be honest. It, like, it, 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 like I, I know we had that kind of period of, of Villa fandom where it's very wholesome and we can kind of obviously all think of the reasons for that um and now it's just kind of getting to like that next level of like okay we got some like real I guess quote-unquote ballers um that we can get really excited about but Danny if you think back to the last decade or so with Villa and French midfielders they've all kind of come in with a lot of um I guess elation and excitement and for one reason or another it hasn't worked out and I feel like you can probably think of who probably most of those are if not all of them is there any concern over that you think I mean we we know the French league compared to the Premier League is a a massive step even if he has played Champions League football but is there any kind of concerns over this for you um so I think the first word of warning is that I think a lot of Villa fans probably you know have been talking about getting this big enforcer, this Sushek, you know, this, I don't know. And then people talk about Basuma, he's not quite that either. You know, this this kind of, yeah, Suchek type player, this Kuyate type player, this Dukure type player, basically. Kamara is not that, from what I've seen. You know, this is this is somebody who are, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's going to probably, you know, be good at winning the ball for Villa. Um, probably, you know, he's got a good pass on him. You know, maybe, you know, he's not going to be as attack-minded as, like, Douglas Louise. I think he's going to be a lot more, you know, naturally suited to playing in that role just ahead of the defenders. And I, and, I, and people say he's a centre-back as well, but I don't, I can't see that. I can't see him ever really dropping into that role for Villa. Gerard's talked about stature, talked about, you know, wanting to get a little more height into the team. Um, he's not going to add that. So I think, you know, Villa might well look to add something else in that midfield, you know, and, and, and maybe look look for some look for someone else when it comes to the defence. But this is really exciting. This is really exciting. This is a guy who's just, you know, pipped Pogba and Kamavinga to uh, France, um, to the France squad. When you look at the players in that team, you know, you've got Kanduzi, Chouameni, um, in, I think also in that midfield. I'm not worried that it's, you know, another French midfielder because the French midfielders that we've signed in the past haven't been at that level. And when you think about it, Idris Gay and Jordan Veritu, after leaving Villa, both went on to have very good careers. Um, Idris Gay, you know, let's maybe not talk so much about, you know, recently. But like, you know, the thing is, the thing is with Morgan Sanson, Villa, Villa signed him from Marseille as well. He was also meant to be a top Marseille centre midfielder and look what happened there. I guess that's the worry, you know. Brought in Bertrand Traore as well from Ligon, also didn't work out. So I guess there's a little bit of trauma there. But that said, this is a 22-year-old defensive midfielder. Very, very hard to come by these players. To get him on a free transfer immediately is very smart because if Villa had left it waiting, you know, there'd be a bidding war. You know, there'd be other there'd be other teams coming in there trying to trying to pip them to it. So for Villa to say to him, "Look, come now, sort out your future." 
jump in, make it to preseason. We'll bed you in. I think it's perfect. And look, there's um, you know, a bit, developing a little bit of a French hub at the club now as well. So that's that's also good. So you'll have Luca Dean to talk to too. And of course, Morgan Sanson as well. And I, I mean, the thing is, he's not going to be here. <laughs> no, realistically, let, let's be honest. Um, another failed French midfielder at Villa. Um, I, I do feel bad for him because I, I feel like there is a part to play and it just probably won't work out. But at the end of the day, it's nice to see Villa doing their business earlier. Clearly, this has been in kind of the minds of the Villa brass for a good while. And it's nice to see we're not twiddling our thumbs and waiting to the last minute to panic and either getting in a, a bidding war, like Danny says, and overpaying or things like that in terms of salary. Because, of course, with free agents, typically you're going to pay a bigger probably agents fee and all that kind of stuff when it comes to salary, too. So to make that a little bit sweeter. But before we get over to Seb, um, there was a few quotes here, one from Kamara himself saying when he met with Steven, Christian, and of course, Johan, um, in my home, I knew Aston Villa was for me, their ambition and determination to, to succeed matches my own. I cannot wait for preseason to get going. And then of course, uh, Steven Gerrard piped in as well. I, I just love this where he says, we have a very clear plan to make our team stronger, Str- strong. Well, that was an accent stronger. And Booba is an important part of that. So um, I guess Booba is his nickname. Um, I don't know if we want to call him the big boob. Um, Seb, let me know what you think about the signing and the nickname of the big we're boob. Not, we're not calling him that. Call. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> Compose yourself, Seb. Um- <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I had a lot of time to dwell over my thoughts on this while while the other boys were giving their opinions and it still hasn't really sunk in. As soon as I heard the fact that he'd agreed terms with Atletico or the interest from Atletico, you know, I I thought that was that. I resigned myself to not seeing him in a claret and blue shirt. But I've got to be honest, everything about this, everything about this deal excites me. Um, a lot, <laughs> granted, a lot of my knowledge of him is from Football Manager. Um, Look, from what I've heard and just the way that Villa went about things, the fact that Gerard Lang and Perslow were all there to watch him play for Marseille, went to his house, you know, it shows the determination they had to get this deal across the line. You know, this guy's this guy's younger than Callum O'Hare here. This is what we're talking about. And the the stature that he brings at such a young age, it, it was mentioned before, Champions League experience, you know, how Marseille was so gutted to let him go after so long at the club. Everything about this deal screams common sense from Villa. The fact that we got it done so early to fend off other clubs, not having to pay for a fee for him. Look, there's a long way to go. The thing I like most is that he's got a full preseason. And that's what Gerard mentioned most is that he wanted players that he can have a full preseason with. So I'm fully expecting him to hit the ground running straight away. Obviously, I don't think the the French connection will really matter too much. I think that's a hoodoo that hopefully is in the past now, now that we're signing a higher calibre of players such as Dinya as well as Kamara. But look, I'm I'm really excited about this. And when it finally sinks in that he has actually signed for Aston Villa, when he's most probably walking out against Warsaw and his man of the match. That is when I'll get myself excited. 
Oh, preseason, how we cannot wait for the hype train. You know what? We still have Wesley. Will he, I don't know, lash out and do something and we won't see him for another year? We'll have to wait until probably August to see that. But uh, all I, I can say is up the big boot. We, um, I think we've got to I think we got to put Wesley and Keenan Davis in a UFC cage as a fight to be like our target, man. Who do you think would win that, by the way? Keenan Davis. Keenan all the way. All 100%. The way. Yeah. Wesley has one leg. Uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> Just kick him in the ACL and he'll be out for nine months. Keenan's Keenan's got it. Like, to be fair, they're both injury prone. Like, it sounds like you've done this before. Are you okay? Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't advocate for violence. Um, but if it came to it, Keenan Davis would probably be worth in a fight. I, I think Keenan Davis would probably beat most professional Premier League players in a fight. That that guy's an absolute unit. True. And there was interesting I think Keenan Davis would... What's that? Uh, about Keenan Davis, um, in regards, I think Gerard said that uh, he's been impressed with the loan spell and about him coming back and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you're always going to say that. You're not going to say, oh, we're going to offload him to decrease value. But it is, it is going to be interesting this summer. Uh, how many strikers does he want? Well, we're going to have Ings, Watkins, Davis, Archer, Luis Suarez... I'm- I, I I think Keenan Davis will be if especially Nottingham Forest go up, they'll buy him off us and we'll probably get ten to fifteen million. And it's yeah. just you know, it's worked out well for everyone then. He's getting regular game time. We get a decent transfer fee for someone that costs us nothing. Win win win. True. And I mean the other thing is I mean, if he does somehow stay at Villa and forces a way in. I mean, Fulham are up. He can score against them again and get his one goal in the season. And we can all feel very, very happy for him. So at least there's that. Um, and um, I was going to say something about West Brom where they're not coming up. So anyways, something about Bertrand Traore, about passing it into the net, but then I forgot they're not coming up. So let's disregard that. And I guess the next thing we can talk about before we wrap things up, of course, is Burnley or former Burnley center back, I guess you could say uh, very shortly, is James Tarkovsky. Of course, he's a free agent as well, 29 years of age. Looks like, I mean, you're going to have probably a host of Premier League clubs looking at him probably throughout the pyramid, uh, whether as adding to their depth or a team coming up, mid-table, whatever, um, like a club like Villa, I guess, trying to get up in the upper tier. Danny, where does this one sit with you? I mean, I do think he's a very good center back. It is another free agent. And, I mean, it's a, it's a host of English center back talent um i think you were the one in the group chat referencing that earlier today so i mean if this one does come off and i guess even in regards to the rumors what do you think of this potential signing yeah i think if you, if you were to take away um if you were to take away Maguire and john stones like then forget the man city i mean you know car walker and all that kind of stuff it's not really, he's not a real center back then you look at Chambers, Mings, Konza, and Tarkovsky almost looks like a um, almost looks like an England defense. You know, God help us. But the thing is, with Tarkovsky, I think a lot of Villa fans kind of talk about his ability with the ball, and maybe he's not sort of playing out and that kind of thing. I think we've got very used to defenders playing out. When the thing that we need really is defenders to defend <laughs> to stop goals going in. And what Villa are at the moment is they are lightweight. I think when you look at Mings and Konza and you look at sort of Chambers as well, they're all the sort of centre-back who, uh, you know, I've seen them put in good blocks and you've seen them put in decent tackles. And, you know, Mings, Mings especially can be a bit of a leader and he can, he can really kind of 
um, step up when 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 players when players come at him. But the thing is, we don't really have an enforcer. We don't really have a proper a proper stopper there, a proper wall, a sentinel. You know, and Tarkovsky could be that guy. And yeah, you know, Villa might struggle to play a higher line with him, but I think that he's exactly the type of defender Villa probably need to need to go in for. We don't know that Kos- that Tarkovsky can't pass the ball because, quite frankly, I don't think he's been instructed to for four or five years. So there's that. Um, but having said that, if I'm Tarkovsky, I'm going to Everton because uh, Everton have kind of switched their, their centre-back pairings for years. And the thing is, they need someone who's going to come in there and be a mainstay and just stick at it. And Tarkovsky would do that at Everton. At Villa... I think he'd be in competition with too many guys. And for me, before Villa going for Tarkovsky, they're going to have to be able to demonstrate that someone's leaving. Because when you think about it, Chambers, Konza, Mings, which of those guys is going to go fourth choice? Is Konza going to be happy to be told, you're going to have to fight it out with Chambers and another centre-back? Is Mings going to be happy to be told, you're going to have to fight it out with another centre-back? Like, we can talk about Tarkovsky all we want. I don't think... We can really talk about Villa signing a defender just yet. That's no. where I'm at. No, the the only way for me, and I mean, it would have to come out really, really soon, is either the Konza injury is way worse than we thought, and it's going to take twice as long, and then maybe that you can make that case. But I mean, realistically, is he better than Mings, or is he better than Konza? Is he even better than Chambers? I guess you could argue as well. It, different skill set, yes, but. I mean, does he want to be for choice? What are you going to do with Courtney Hawes? I mean, you just signed him to an extension. So if you're going to either A, loan him out or B, sell him, you're going to have to wait until that kind of gets in motion. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts for me, like Danny was referencing, to probably get another center back in. And for me, I just feel like if you're going to bring one in, he probably has to be better than any of those three. That's for me, at and, least. And bear in mind, it's a World Cup, yeah. So four English centre backs, no five even. Courtney House. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm not saying he'd get picked, but it's a World Cup year. Are, are those guys really going to want to be in competition with each other? I don't think so. No, and unless you're what? Well, see, it would have been. I mean, if Villa were in Europe, uh, okay, sure. Y- your your games and your schedule is going to go up threefold. So then you can make that argument. But for now, it's. For me, it's it's really a no-go. But Simon, where does this whole kind of rumor sit with you? Do you think there's any kind of truth to it? Or do you think it's one of those just kind of paper talk things, throw Villa's name in there because they're, we're big spenders kind of thing? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that point you made there. That I, I don't see it unnecessarily happening because I don't think he's... I, I don't think he's demonstrably better than Konza or Mings. Or Chambers, I I personally think that that Villa do will sign a centre back this uh, this summer. But I think, well, they'll certainly try to, and they'll try to get someone who who is, you know, clearly better than than what we've already got. And I I I don't I, I just don't think Tark, I think he's a good player, but I think at twenty nine years of age, he's basically, you know, it's. He's he's decent, and I do like him. And you know, in other circumstances, I could see us taking him. But I just eat for me. I don't think he clearly would improve that first eleven. I I think 
I think Courtney Hawes would be moved on this summer. I think the reason that he that contract extension was brought in was just so we could get a transfer fee for him. And I would suspect that another centre back would be brought in to be to be a first choice. And then you're looking at Chambers, Mings, and Conza competing for, for the other spot. That, that that's how I see it going. I could be completely wrong, but I I think that's I would suspect that's what Gerard's plan is for this summer regarding the centre backs. I'm in completely two minds about this deal. I have my reservations about it because Burnley play a completely different style of football to Villa. Burnley are very much sit on the edge of your own box, head it out, clear it out, you know, form a brick wall on the edge of your box and stay there. Whereas I feel as though if he were to suddenly get jumped onto the halfway line, and asked to deal with balls in behind and balls over the top, I think that's a completely different ball game. A bit like, obviously it wouldn't be as extreme, but a bit like when Harry Maguire made the jump from Leicester to United, that stature of club and different demand of expectations can have its toll on a player and it can change your mindset on just how good they are completely. I think he suits Burnley very well um, and where he goes is some. I don't I don't know whether it will be Villa, but I think there's better suitors for him. However, I am going to completely contradict myself in saying that he 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 used to play for Brentford, so you don't play for Brentford unless you're good on the ball and good with your feet and a good passer of the ball. So I, I'm completely in two minds about this deal. If it happens, brilliant. We've got ourselves cover for no transfer fee. I love how we're talking about no transfer fees as if Villa have to go about their business this summer spending minimal money because we know that's not true. Obviously, it's good to be able to make efficient deals for low money in terms of FFP and et cetera, et cetera. But if it doesn't happen, I I certainly won't be gutted about it. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. But uh, Danny, I'll throw it to you because I, I hear you have a question. I can read your mind. <laughs> yeah, also we're talking about Tarkovsky's passing like Mings is the best passer in the world. But um yeah, I think I, I wanted to just ask, you know, thinking about all of that stuff, because if we are to bring another center back in, then someone has to leave. You know, we look at look at a lot of the links that we're that we're getting as well. You look at the Suarez links, you look at some of the my question is, who do you guys think will be the shock lever this summer? Because there's no way that this entire squad sticks together. Um, because it's big. It's getting big. They need to. They need to get rid of a few, and there will be players who will not be happy sitting on a bench. Are you talking about shock centre back departure or just squad no, in general? No, in general, in general, we've had Buendia sitting on the bench for half a season because I'd had Conser not got his injury. I wouldn't have been surprised to see Gerard get rid of Conser. However, you know the severity of his injury, I think, completely changes that. In terms of shock departure, who knows? I'm I'm gonna give pass this over to the other boys because I'm not, I'm lost. Simon, I'll throw it to you to give you some pressure. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough because I mean I, I think you'll get as I say I, I think Courtney Hawes will be moved on, but that's not necessarily a shock. I think Sanson will be moved on. Probably Traore, they'll try and move him on, and El Ghazi and Trezeguet if they can. But so that's reducing the squad, but I wouldn't say any of them are necessarily shocks. I I would still maintain that 
there's I don't think both Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins will be at the club come the start of next season. Now that may not be a shock. You know, some people might not think it's a shock if one or both are moved on. I, I think both are moved on, but I, 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 I personally think one of them two will be sold this summer. Um, I mean, I suppose. I mean, obviously, I could be completely wrong. <laughs> you might try and work on getting the two of them together, but if if there's like truth in you know, the Suarez link or, or you know, obviously I think there's been talk of other strikers that would be linked if, if we're going to be bringing a striker in, then you'd think surely one of them two, if not both, would be moved on. So, yeah, if a shock lever, probably one of them two. Well, that's the other thing too, though. You think about it, like, if you have someone like Suarez come in, coming in at this point of his career, which you're going to do a lot of the running for him, he's going to be more of a... I guess you could say a tap in merchant more so than anything, a Fox in the box. Then, I mean, from that standpoint, then you probably would say it would most likely in my mind would be Ings because that fits that mold more so than I would say Watkins. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm contradicting myself and I, I almost wouldn't be shocked if it is Ollie that leaves because in terms of probably transfer value, he probably has one of the highest in the whole squad. Um, and of course there's been links with Arsenal and all that, because of course he is an Arsenal fan, um, growing up. So, I mean, there's always that being linked as well. Um, it, it, it's honestly so tough, but the, I feel this feels really weird saying, and maybe it's coming out of nowhere, but with the whole captaincy thing that was kind of being talked about a, a couple months ago, I wonder if depending how things change in the next month or so, if that captaincy leaves Mings, and I know we're saying we want more leaders in the side, so it maybe that defeats the purpose. Depends who come in or who comes in, I guess. But I wonder if that is stripped from him. I wonder what happens with him. I really do. I'm not really a fan of it because we know how bad we look without him. I mean, it depends who would have to come in to replace him, and that feeds into the whole center back discussion again. But I don't know. For, for me, one of the strikers, and I, I still have that massive question mark over really what happens with the likes of Mings or I guess really not so much Konza through injury, but it, it's a real puzzle, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know if Mings will still be captain at the end of the season. I, I, I just think that it might be playing with fire a little bit too much to get rid of Mings because he's he's been the mainstay at that, in that position for so long and you'd have to bring in another left-sided centre-back and the thought of anybody else other than Mings at that left-sided centre-back role to me seems like a big move. To get rid of your captain and a mainstay from that position, you have to replace him very, very well and it has to hmm, it has to be someone very good um, yeah. and I don't know if that's going to happen. And then, if you keep him there, it's very political. What does Gerard say to him in terms of stripping the captaincy? Listen, mate, I don't think you're enough of a leader. And then you've got a player who's already, you know, we've already seen, seems to get affected in games through through nerves. Um, you'll probably break him even more. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. You know, it's a really, really tough one. That said, but, he's, he's at that age now where if you ever want to get a fee out of him, you have to sell him. Could you not argue? I mean, I, I agree with what you say there, but, you know, the points of sometimes the nerves, maybe the pressure of not being captain, might be, yeah, you know, you, you, uh, maybe. I, I mean, you never know. I, I remember the, 
the only instance I can, the most hopeful for one I can think of um, is actually involving Steven Gerrard when he was coming through at Liverpool. Yeah, Sammy sure. Herpia was captain, wasn't he? And yeah, Herpia yeah. had the captaincy taken off him to be given to Gerrard. And, you know, it could be, I'm not saying it necessarily would be, but like, say, if you, you know, take it off things, give it to like Jacob Ramsey, you know, that type of thing, and then see mm. him grow, you know, the potential of him growing more and then you know, the pressure is lifted off things. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously none of us are it play out, but it's, 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 it's a conundrum for him, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Gerard just needs to, you know, if he, if he doesn't just frame it as, look, we've, every season we need to review it, really. And, you know, I think, I think it's a fair thing to say, look, we had too many players falling apart during the season. Man, what is a, what's a captain's role? I don't know, right? Yeah. What is a captain's role at the end of the day? What you need is leaders in the team. That's the main thing. And so if you if you give if you keep the, the captaincy on wings, you probably say the more the most senior first, you know, English player, I guess, um, in that team. That's fair enough. Uh, and then who else you look at? Maybe Luca Dean, maybe John McGinn. If you if you say that John McGinn's going to be starting every game. Um, Emmy Martinez for me. If we, if you had to press me to like get another captain, I'd go Emmy Martinez because I like his attitude, right? And I think he's a he's a proper winner. But in terms of who goes this summer, I can't. I don't. I just don't see it being Mings. I don't see it being Mings. Um, even though I think that sooner or later he needs to get upgraded on because he's he's, he's he still looks like a very young centre back despite his age. The only thing that I see him going is if he's stripped from captaincy and then they give it to someone that they just brought in. Because for me, that's probably the biggest slap in the face you can do it for someone that's just been there five minutes and versus someone that's been there through relegation scrap and a fantastic season last season and an up and down this one and promotion, Mm -hmm. of course, as well. I, I think that would be the one where you'd go. I mean, it depends how it's framed. I mean, we're probably really reading into nothing realistically because we all know the person that Tyrone Mings is and we've seen him speak. And I mean, would it really even bother him to be honest? Like you guys have really hinted at him. If anything, it might make him even play even better. Um, I mean, aside from probably, I don't know, maybe like PR duties and maybe like team kind of events and stuff like that. Maybe he has parts in that. And of course the on the field thing as well. And the blame kind of, starts with your captain at times too. So I don't know, it it does go both ways, but to kind of, before we wrap things up, I I guess the best way to um, kind of lean into the summer transfer episodes that we'll, we'll have out, of course, the next one after this one should be the big season review, um, which should be hopefully early next week. And hopefully everyone enjoys that once it's out. Maybe I have another wrap. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, If you're been around that long, you'll have to wait and see. But um, I want to ask each of you how many players you think will be walking out the door this summer and how many approximately you think will be coming in. Because I think it'll be kind of interesting to gauge who you think is good enough and how many really need replacing or kind of bolstering in addition to what we already have. So um, you know what? Seb's sitting over there looking at his finger, it looks like. So um, let's throw it over to him. So Seb, take it away. I was really hoping you wouldn't do that because I was trying to work out the maths quickly in my head. <laughs> um, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna list off the players here because 
you know, I'm, I'm not great at maths, so visualizing it should help me, should help me do it better. Trezeguet, El Ghazi, Wesley, Keenan Davis, oh, Morgan Sanson, Courtney House, Jed Steer. Um, oh, I think I'm forgetting people. Is that about I think seven or eight? Tri- Triore. Yeah. Triore, that's yes. Like eight. Uh, that's eight now. Now, I think there'll be a shock departure like was talked about, but I'm not sure who. So I'm going to put that as nine, okay. but I don't know who. Um, and then I'm sure there's someone I'm forgetting about. So I'm going to round it off as 10. Okay. Um, we'll count Coutinho. We'll count Camara, Kamara. Uh, I also think we'll get a centre-back. I think we will get another midfielder and then a striker slash forward of some sort. So I will say... So Coutinho, Camera, centre back, centre midfielder. Oh, but then are we going to sign a left back cover? Because I I don't think we're going to sign a right back cover because Kesler Hayden will go to the Championship on loan with Chambers as his debt debt as Cash's depth deputy, if you like. Um, do we then sign a left back cover because? We need our oh, target. Target will go. That's another one. Eleven. There you go. See <laughs> now. Now I'm thinking about it. It's it's all coming back to me. Um, I think target will go. So I think we'll need to bring in a left back cover. So that's six. Oh, seven. Because let's Wilson. say let's say seven and eleven. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's let's stick with that. Leave something so, for me and Simon. <laughs> seven and eleven out. Danny, let's go to you next. Yeah. So um, I've counted the ones that that's the Seb has mentioned and I'm going to execute tax and take two of them away because have you ever tried to play FIFA or football manager and tried to get rid of that many players at once it just doesn't happen no there's a reason why Villa want to get rid of them and it's because um you know they're they're not good enough and you know for 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 most clubs they're going to be looking at them as crap investments consider as well that they're going to be on big wages some of them are going to be loans and they're just contracts are going to expire and we're going to be stuck with them. Exactly. Until that. And that's exactly. the reality. So this is it. This is, this is it. Exactly. Right. So Wesley, no one's going to go in for him. He's, you know, his, his loans have been terrible. They haven't worked out. Trezeguet, he'll go. We'll sell him. El Ghazi. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sanson, maybe, but again, high wages. I'm sure he wants to play football though. The guy's, you know, angry all the time. <laughs> And so he probably wants to play football. Um, yeah, one more centre back, maybe. Steer, I think will stay. You think so? Um, yeah. With Olsen so. as well. Olsen's Olsen. only on loan though, Olsen's isn't he? Yeah, Olsen's but I think I think we're close to agreeing. I think we've agreed a three and a half million pound fee. I've oh, just seen. There's some insider information. Fine. If that's if that's true, then Steer's gone. And Traore is like, how would you how would you sell Traore? Philip paid a lot um, of money for him. How would you sell Traore? I would send that clip of him passing it past um, <laughs> West Brom, the entire West Brom team, basically. The lob against Bristol City as well. Yeah. And just do his little dance with his little kind of swing, but his arms back and forth at the end. Um, I, I think you just send that as like a highlight reel thing with like some really intense like AC. Can we send Al Ghazi in like a two for one deal? I feel bad for Al Ghazi though. He's been absolutely screwed over in Everton. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, El Ghazi will be fine. El Ghazi will be fine. I think. I think. I think someone in like Holland or something will probably go in for him. So, how many um, are we saying for you, uh, Danny? In and out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight out and then five in. Five in. Okay. Simon, how about you? I mean, it's not really too much difference what the other lads have said. <laughs> I, 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 like base all, all the players that 
like Seb reeled off. I think in an ideal world, they would try and move all of them on. I think, but then, yeah, I'd agree with Danny's point that there's there'll be at least two or three that, unless Villa are willing to take a massive, massive hit, you know, uh, on transfer fees, no, the likes of Troyer and Sanson, who I think are the clearly good, talented players. They've shown that they've got ability, but it's just you don't know how much money they're on. And I, I think they're probably the players that you maybe struggle to move on the most. But that's, you know, if they're still at the club, that's not necessarily the worst thing because they still are talented players. And they, they, they can, you know, they have got ability. So, yeah, probably, probably see about eight or nine going. But then, like within that, you've got people like like Jed Steer and Keenan Davis. He, he just, you know, they haven't featured at all. Trezeguet hasn't featured at all this season, so you're not really feeling any loss. And then as for people coming in, obviously you've got the two already. And I, yeah, agree with what what the other two have said. I, I think there'll probably be another three on top. I, I think a centre back, a midfielder, and a striker. So I think you're looking at about five in, but maybe. Depending on how early, if, if you can get like you get four of those deals in early, then you, you, as we all know, as transfer windows go on and they get to the end, you know, late things can maybe pop up. So, I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say five coming in, and then with the possibility of a, a sixth late edition that that comes out of nowhere. And then Chukwuma could go as well. You know, if, I was just about to bring that up. Doesn't agree. Yeah, you know, yeah. And where's Ivan I, I think with Chuck, mate, I, I think even if a deal isn't signed, I don't think the club would move him on this summer. I think they just keep him for another year. I, I don't think he'll leave this summer. Yeah. I mean, really, you're what? He's old, he's still young enough where he would go to. Um, uh, yeah, the, you'd get yeah. a tribunal fee anyway. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, maybe make your case and send him out on loan if it's not really going to work out. And, I don't know, maybe he hits it off and the fee will be a little bit more. I mean, that could be a whole episode in itself. But uh, anyways, guys, um, I did say it'd be half an hour as always, and it's about double that. So um, in Holtcast tradition. <laughs> not double we, that, dude. It's triple that. It's triple that. No way. No. Well, we we, ran, we ranted for about 20 minutes before the recording. So cut that off a little bit. You have to keep that in mind as well. But Anyways, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. We should be back in uh, just under, hopefully, a week's time, depending on when we can get all five of us together for the big season review. I just want to say kind of uh, before next week, it'll probably be a bigger thank you. But thank you to everyone that's been listening over the season um, for as long as this podcast has existed. Um, it's been very much appreciated um, as the one that's kind of been hosting it for the last two and a bit um i've really enjoyed it of course danny's been here longer than me and he's like that uh stink that that never goes away he, he always he always finds his way back in here no matter what even five minutes before we're actually going to record as happened today and of course um same thing with simon and Seb. they've been great additions over last season plus and um yeah we're, i'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds here at the holt cast but anyways well i'll, I'll give a bigger thank you speech at the end and with, with a, maybe a nice little rap or something, or maybe I'll, I'll get the, the, the guitar out that I don't have I'll have to borrow one and learn how to play it in the week or something. But anyways, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you all again for the support and don't forget up the villa.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 